Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Hey, food bloggers. Do you ever get caught up in the confusion about how in the world you are going to make money? Take the free quiz I've put together for you that is going to help you get to the bottom of this problem. Go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash quiz to find out which stream of revenue is the next perfect one for you. Your results will be personalized based on your answers, and they will provide you with action steps and resources that will help you launch into monetizing your blogging business in a new way. There are truly so many ways to make money as a food blogger, so don't waste another second. Again, go to eblogtalk.com forward slash quiz and get started on your next revenue stream today. Hey guys, just reminding you to head over to iTunes if you haven't already to subscribe, rate, and review Eat Blog Talk. It adds value to this podcast when you do that, and I would be so grateful for your time. It will take two minutes, press pause, go do it, and come back and keep listening. Hello, food bloggers. Welcome to another episode of Eat Blog Talk. Thank you so much for joining us today. I have Sarah Borgstead with me from theholymess.com, and we're going to talk about how to increase blog traffic in the new year by focusing on weight loss. Sarah is a writer, speaker, and 100 plus pound weight loss success story. That's amazing. Her website, The Holy Mess, reaches millions of readers at Faithful Finish Lines Christian Weight Loss Program. She helps women lose weight and grow in faith with an impressive 36,000 plus completing free weight loss challenges under her guidance to date. That is so amazing, Sarah. All of this is awesome and I'm so excited to chat with you. But first, we want to hear your fun fact. Well, thank you, Megan. It is such a privilege. Um, I'm, I'm fangirling a little bit because I listen to your podcast all the time. And so it's a real treat for me to be able to be here. <laughs> um, my fun fact is that I started martial arts when I was in my mid-40s, and I am now a black belt in Taekwondo. Oh, my goodness. Okay, never had that fun fact before. That's <laughs> super cool. Wow. Thank you. I. Uh, it's proof that you can start something later in life and still be successful. Or even if you kind of bumble along, you know, I've had young kids as young as like six or seven teaching me <laughs> about how to do different things in the sport. So it's been humbling, but great. Um, two of my sons, we have five children. Uh, also do Taekwondo. And I used to go and sit on the sidelines and, you know, frantically go through my social media on my phone until I realized that I could participate with them. Oh. And so that's what I did. We so get caught up in those mindsets, right? Like where we think we're too old to do something or start something. And this is proof that you can do anything and you're never too old. If you have anything on your mind that you're thinking right now, oh, but I couldn't do that because I'm too old. It's not true. You can start anything. So Sarah is giving you permission. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <so> yes. <laughs> so fun. I love that. And I was telling you before we started recording that I'm really excited to dive into this topic today. 
um, about how to increase blog traffic in the new year by focusing on healthy eating and weight loss because we have never covered this. And I think it's a really important topic to cover because we all experience, I shouldn't say all of us because I do know some bloggers who um, you know, typically write and post about healthy eating and they actually get boosts in January, but a lot of people, myself included, we experience those lulls and it's really disheartening. I expect it every year and it comes every year and it's like, I'm not surprised. Here it is again. We can actually all kind of focus on that healthy eating side and even the weight loss in order to give ourselves a boost. So just talk us through that, like that whole situation, the problem that a lot of food bloggers have about January being a big lull for bloggers and how we can utilize that time to improve. Definitely. So uh, yes, as you said, most food, food bloggers have a great season over the holiday holidays and then experience a lull. And I am the opposite because I do write uh, almost exclusively about weight loss and healthy recipes. So January, um, February, even into March and April are a great time for my website. And that can be true for you as well. Um, while healthy recipes might not always be your focus, that's totally fine. There are things that you can do to increase your traffic during that time to capture people who are interested. And I do want to tell you that, um, you know, unfortunately, just with our food culture being what it is, our food sourcing, more and more people in the United States are overweight. It is the number one uh, New Year's resolution, which I know is kind of a, you you know, we all kind of joke and laugh about it, but it's the truth. It's the reality. And, um, you know, even people who maybe don't need to lose weight are recognizing that they need to eat healthier. They don't feel as good when they're eating a lot of extra fat, sugar, and salt. And so all of us can see a rise in our traffic by focusing on the people that do have that as a priority in the new year. So what can we do now when this episode gets published, it will be probably early October-ish. Um, what can we do at this point? Because we'll have a few months to prepare. And knowing this, like you're right, like everyone, so many people have that resolution, even if they're not technically overweight, to get healthier and eat better after a long holiday season of maybe overeating and eating bad foods. Um a lot of people have that as a goal to eat healthier. So we as food bloggers have like the power there, right? We have important food messages to share with people. So what can we do now to kind of prepare for that? Yes. And actually fall is the perfect time because if you wait until January, you're a little bit behind the eight ball when it comes to SEO or Pinterest. We need to be starting those things now. So I would definitely recommend if you're not primarily a, food, a healthy food blogger that you go for those long tail keywords and look for some niches where your recipes might really fit in as far as weight loss. So roundups are great. If you can pull together 10 or 20 of your top recipes that are healthier or fit into one niche. So whether that's clean eating or plant-based or vegetarian or meatless meals, low-carb meals, keto is still really popular, although I think we're going to start to see a decrease in that as time goes on. Maybe it's salads, vegetables, fruits, um, whole grains, um, lighter, fresher, 
Um, healthier desserts are always really, really popular. Um, healthy main dishes are really popular. Kid-friendly, um, healthier foods. People are always looking for ways to help their family to eat healthier. If you could put together a roundup of some of those recipes, um, send emails out to your readers, be sensitive that during that time of year, that's what people are looking for and drive traffic back to some of that. So a roundup is a great idea. Another thing that you can do is work on improving some of the content that maybe you already have to make it a little bit more weight loss friendly. So that might be, um, again, including some of those keywords. Maybe, um, you know, you have a vegetarian dish and maybe you included the word vegan or vegetarian, but did you say plant-based? Did you say it's good for weight loss? Maybe it fits with keto or it's gluten-free. Um, there are some different systems that you might want to consider. Like, do you include the complete nutritional information? Do you have Weight Watchers points or could you get those? Um, could you include like Trim Healthy Mama information? Um, again, it, it's going to be a little bit specific to your website and what's not going to be too much difficulty for you to add on. But can you be sensitive to the readers who need that and provide that information for them? So I was going to ask you, what if we aren't known as like a quote healthy blogger, but then you offered all of these amazing ideas like you just went through low carb, keto, salads, whole grains, fresh, um, you know, fruit, vegetables, healthy desserts, kid friendly. Okay, something in there has to align with your content no matter what. Like I am definitely not a healthy blogger. A lot of my recipes have tons of calories and fat, but I can pick out a few things from what you just said that could align and I could definitely create a roundup. And we can also take maybe some of our other favorite bloggers and include some of their content in a roundup too to kind of round it out, right? What do you think about that? Oh, definitely. Um, I know people do roundups different ways. Personally, I typically will do the first three or four recipes and roundup are my own. And then if I don't have enough for a complete roundup, then I go to others, which I think is a great way of reaching out in the in the community as well. Um, so that's how I do it. So I'm bringing things back to my site. So, um, you know, maybe um, for someone who's not a healthy blogger, typically, maybe you pick your top five recipes that you could really go in and clean them up and make them weight loss friendly. And so you do a roundup where you feature those as the top five, and then you feature other bloggers for the rest of the roundup. I think that would work out great. Oh, that is a great idea. What do you think about doing challenges to start the new year? Do you ever do anything like that? Like maybe inviting your email subscribers in and saying, hey, we just experienced a lot of calories in December. <laughs> Let's do a challenge together. That might be a good idea and something I've never explored. What do you think of that? Well, I think it's a fabulous idea because I do it all the time. <laughs> Um, I actually, I was going to talk about it at the end, but I do have an affiliate program that I run a very simple but super popular three-day diet, which I know you think, well, what can happen in three days? But it's just enough to give people that kickstart that they need. The challenge is free, but I have a tripwire that sells extremely well. So if anyone's interested, um, the affiliate program is 40%. It would work out great. I'd be glad to have you do that. I guess what I would say is if you don't typically do that, it can be a lot to take on um, depending on how big you make the challenge. I think starting with revamping some of the content you already have, maybe sharing a challenge that I or someone else is doing as an affiliate might be at least a great way to get your feet wet just because 
I don't want to see you take on too much if you don't really have enough of an audience for it. Yeah, that makes sense. And don't you feel like this year is the year to focus on this content because we, okay, I'm not going to say we all, but so many of us, even the most well-intended, have added a few pounds because of the pandemic and being quarantined that we just can't shed. And I feel like this is a common theme throughout the world, really. I mean, I've heard people all over the world say this. So I just feel like now more than ever is the time to really dig into this. Like, yes, enjoy the holidays, enjoy the parties, enjoy the food. Um, maybe don't try not to go overboard. But then after that, it's like, okay, we're all just going to be ready to buckle down. Oh, yes. Yeah. So listen to this statistic. I was shocked when I saw this. The average person during the time when we were on complete quarantine and really lockdown gained one and a half pounds per month. Oof. That is significant. That is huge. So I completely agree with you that coming into the new year is always, always a big season for this, but especially this year and especially because, you know, things are still going. We don't really know what is going to happen this fall and this winter. And so definitely people are looking for content where they can, you know, food tastes good. We all want to enjoy food. Of course we do. We're food bloggers. So we don't want to deny that, but we also want to meet people where they are, that people are wanting to get healthier. They do want to lose weight. And, um, and I think what you just shared, Megan, is really helpful. Um, when it comes to weight loss, this is a very sensitive topic and it's hard and it's, you know, at times embarrassing or we're really hard on ourselves or we have a lot of guilt. So, it's important in your approach, in how you're writing about it, even if you don't have weight issues per se, that you give something that people can relate to and they feel like they don't feel like they're being preached to. They feel like we're all in this together. So if you're starting an email, even if it's just to introduce a roundup where you say, hey, you know, I can relate to this. I didn't eat the healthiest over the quarantine or I didn't eat the healthiest over the holidays. But now, you know, I want a fresh start. I want my family to eat healthier. Whatever is true for you because you want to share what's true. But you want to be relatable and understanding because for some people, this is truly it was for me when I was 100 pounds heavier, a devastating, incredibly difficult, painful part of my life. So so we just want to make sure I want to encourage you to be sensitive in how you're writing about this to your readers and sharing something of yourself because all of us have had some struggle with food at some point in some way in our life. And so there's something you can pull out that you can write that will be um, relatable and understandable to your readers. I think that is such a great piece of advice. And I, you know, it's kind of uh, something that was sitting in my head, but I didn't think to pull it out into words. So I really appreciate that you said that. Because it is sensitive, and I was just thinking back over the course of the past year and a half as you were talking, and all of the different people that I've encountered who have, you know, like kind of confessed, like, oh, I gained 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. And there's always this mm -hmm. sense of feeling ashamed, you know, like just in their voice and in the words that they say and the way that they say it, myself included. Like, if I tell someone I gained some pounds as well, 
And you always kind of say it like apologetically, like, oh, I can't believe that happened. You know, there, it's always there. Mm-hmm. There's never a time when it when someone's like, oh, I gained 10 pounds and it's like like a badge. <laughs> yeah, cares? right. Oh, well, who cares about that? No, it's always filled with guilt and remorse and like, I can't believe I let that happen to me. So to put that into words and to put it out there to your own audience that, yes, you can relate. And also to maybe address that, like, we don't need to feel guilty about this. We are all in the same boat. This happened collectively to all of us throughout the world and not just our country, but like all across the world. So I think that is a really important message. So thank you, Sarah, for saying that. I love that you brought that up. You know, I always say our weight issues are so public and yet so private. It's public in the sense that everyone can see your body on the outside and yet so private. There's so much that goes on that um, creates the reasons why we choose the food decisions that we do. So, so again, um, having that sensitivity and relating to your reader's pain, because this is a pain point in a way that they feel like, oh, wow, you know, Megan's in my corner. This, this blogger is in my corner. They get where I'm coming from. They're walking along beside me with this will bring you light years further in them, your reader wanting to, um, to click on your content, to relate to you, to say, wow, you know, we're all in this together. Mm, so important to give that message, I think. Mm-hmm. And we do have to address this too, because we are food bloggers. So we are around food all the time. <laughs> and so I feel like it's even a little bit more difficult for us because we have to exercise that willpower above and beyond what a lot of other people do. They often don't have an entire batch of cookies sitting on their counter that they have to say no to, you know? So do you have advice f- for us on that topic? Because I will tell you, it is hard for me, even having been a food blogger for over a decade, I still am like, why did I just eat that entire pan of fill in the blank? I I have problems with this and I would love to gain your insight, Sarah, on how to not do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. We do have bigger challenges. I, you know, I absolutely deal with this for the, you know, healthier recipes I make just because it's healthier doesn't mean that you should eat a whole panful or I should eat a whole panful. So mindfulness is big. Um, just the fact that you are mindful of it is is really important. Um, I have a rule. If I eat, I eat sitting down. So if I am, you know, tempted to take a bite of this while I'm, um, you know, making it. And I started this rule with cookie dough because I can eat a whole batch of cookie dough before the cookies even get into the oven. So if I'm going to eat raw cookie dough, fine, but I am going to put it on a plate. I'm going to sit my butt down and I'm going to eat it from a plate like a civilized human being. So sitting down to eat is is huge. Uh, Sugar-free or regular gum can be really helpful just because it takes it, it puts some mindfulness into it. You have to spit the gum out. Okay, now my mouth tastes minty. So while you're cooking, those are a couple tips. Once you already have the food in your house, my freezer is my best friend. If I have it frozen, if I have it put away, that will help me not to just mindlessly eat it. I still might go in the freezer and get it, but at least it gives you those extra steps. 
having food that you don't necessarily want to nibble on not visible research has shown that this makes a really big difference so i have no food on my um on my kitchen counters ever and if i do it's going to be fruit it is absolutely not going to be junk food so there will not ever be a tray of brownies just sitting on my kitchen counter because that makes it too easy for me to go and take a bite of it especially when it's broken apart because you know little pieces they don't have any calories right so, um, you know, I'm going to have it packaged. I'm going to have it put away. I'll have it put up in a high shelf in the pantry where I don't see it or it'll be in the freezer. But having it out of sight, research has shown that that really can make a big difference. These are great. Oh, my gosh. I love the minty gum tip because there's nothing grosser than having mint flavor in your mouth <laughs> and then enjoying like a brownie. <laughs> that does not work well. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, one other quick tip, too, since we're just having it. Um, I, when I started this, when I started working from home, because I work full time on my website, I have kitchen open, kitchen closed times. So if you're a person that tends to graze, this might be helpful for you. So maybe you decide I'm going to eat breakfast from seven to eight, and then the kitchen is closed. And then the kitchen doesn't open again until 11 to 12. And then again, from four to six or whatever. And this is, this was really helpful for my family too, when they all came home and even school was home and work was home. All of a sudden, I'm like, why is the kitchen sink full of dishes all the time? It's because my family was eating all the time. Like, no, we can't be doing this. It doesn't matter if you have weight issues or not. You don't need to graze the day away. So having some of those boundaries for yourself is, is helpful and not a bad thing. I need to implement that in my family because I have a grazer. My 11-year-old literally will eat all day long and then we get to dinner and he's like, yes. I'm not hungry. I'm like, well, I wonder why you've been eating all day. <laughs> <laughs> It's really tempting when those of us who are home and, and it can be healthy. There's absolutely nothing wrong with snacking. I'm not trying to say that snacking isn't good, but if we're eating for entertainment, which a lot of times that's what grazing is like, oh, you know, I'm right in the middle of this project. Oh, maybe my stomach's growling. Maybe I need a little snack. That's when it's not such a healthy behavior. Yeah. I find myself randomly throughout the day, just staring in my pantry and I'm like, what am I even looking for? I catch myself and then I'm just like, okay, back away. And then I shut the door. But isn't that funny how we just automatically go to the fridge or the pantry and we just kind of stare in like we're expecting something to jump out at us and <laughs> something new. Yeah. Right? Well, the thing about food and eating is food, food tastes good. Food tastes good in the mouth. It tastes great. And food also changes our, our physical state. So you can change your emotional state, your psychological state by changing your physical state. And it's pretty quick. It's pretty easy. We have almost limitless access to food in our culture right now. So it, it works. It, it's something that we can do that works. Um, you know, and so there's nothing wrong with it. But again, if we're trying to fill an emotional need, a psychological need, fill a void, um, relax, sometimes using food isn't really the best approach. And for those of us with weight issues, it's definitely having negative consequence. And so that's the time where it's important to step in, not in a harsh or critical way of ourselves, but in a very compassionate, loving way. Sometimes I almost feel like I'm, there's that little toddler part of me that wants to go have a snack to feel better. And the adult part of me is just very lovingly, graciously saying, oh, you know, we'll have some food later when it's dinner time. But right now, 
we're going to go do something else. And maybe it's to get back to work. Maybe it's to put my feet up and, and read a magazine for a few minutes or, you know, just find a way to relax because I need a break, but I really don't need I love that. Just being really kind with yourself and recognizing that maybe you need something, but it doesn't need to be food. But there are times, though, when like I just really want a bite or two of ice cream and I don't feel like there's anything wrong with like if I truly am craving that ice cream that's in my freezer and I literally take two bites, I feel good about that. Like there are times when you can just, you know, like satisfy that craving and then just be done, right? Like you don't have to eat the whole thing. (laughs) You can just take a bite or two, thoroughly enjoy it, and then put it aside. And you're like, okay, that was what I needed. Oh, absolutely. And I love what you're saying that you totally are mindful and present in those two bites and enjoy it. So for me, that would be the for me to sit down and I would even take it one step further and put it in a tiny little bowl, a pretty bowl, instead of just eating it out of the ice cream cart. And for me, I've just found that I can be more mindful when I have it on a plate in a very respectful you know, way for my body, but, uh, but it wouldn't have to be, but it's that you, there's a big difference between mindfully enjoying two bites, savoring it, loving it. It just completely meets that need versus sort of drive by eating it and you almost don't even <laughs> know you're eating it and you're kind of trying to hide it from yourself and then you can't really enjoy it. So mindfully enjoying it, I think is, is great. Go for it. Just make sure that you're doing it in a very present gracious way as opposed to a kind of hidden oh maybe I'll take these few bites of Oreos in the pantry when nobody notices maybe I don't even notice and then I keep going really quickly through my day I love your idea to just like put it in a little bowl even if it is just two small bites because then it's like number one it takes effort to do that so it's like you're going through the effort you're sitting down with it you're kind of making it an event or like a little bit of a big deal And it's not, I love your term drive-by. It's not a drive-by eating. You are sitting down being super mindful and making it almost an occasion. Like I'm going to enjoy these two bites to the absolute fullest. And there's a huge difference there. You know it internally when you're doing that versus the quick Oreo in the pantry and you don't even remember eating it. What did it even taste like? I have no idea. I just ate it. (laughs) That was pointless. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Do make it an experience. Um, You know, we as food bloggers know this more than anyone else. Food is, there's so much more to food than just the taste. There's the experience. There's the smell. There's the beauty. There's the, and not every time you eat needs to be uh, you know, blog worthy, but, uh, and you know, honestly, sometimes I really enjoy eating something pretty and not taking a picture of it. <laughs> like, oh, thank goodness. I don't have to have a beautiful picture of this, <laughs> but just, just enjoying it, experiencing it for yourself so that you can be fully present and enjoying it. You know, if you're going to splurge on all the calories or, you know, the whatever, the fat, enjoy it. Sit down, make it a moment and enjoy it. Yes. And Sarah, we can actually, like everything we're talking about right now kind of relates to blogging and and being around food a lot. But we can talk about this 
with our audience, right? Like, I think that would make us so real and relatable to say, you guys, like, I've got a real problem. I, I have food around me all day long and it's really hard. So I get it and kind of go into that thing where like, I know you just went through a holiday season. I'm here with you. I'm experiencing the same thing. It is hard for me. And here are my tricks. Here's what I do. Maybe this will help you as well. Oh my goodness. I predict that I would love to hear from some of you. If you have never addressed this topic with your audience and you write an email like that in January or the beginning of a blog post, you will get so many emails back from people who say, wow, I had no idea you struggled the same way I do. I feel so alone or, oh my gosh, I do that too. Or I've struggled with weight my whole life. And I do, I, I could almost guarantee you it will resonate so strongly with your audience. Oh, I got goosebumps a little bit when you were saying that. I feel like every single human, I think you said this earlier, has had at some point, you know, like struggles with food on some level, whether it's weight loss or just what we're talking about here. Everyone has this problem. It's a common thread throughout all humans. So to address it, I think would be really powerful. And what better time than January? So start like thinking through how to do that now. And um, just kind of recap some things that Sarah brought to the table about refreshing your content for January, preparing now while it's fall, um, thinking about those long tail keywords, going through some of your healthier content to give it, you know, spruce it up a little bit, um, make it updated, current, maybe pull some roundups together, go to your favorite bloggers and pull some of their material together as well. And I think you could really set yourself up for a nice January this year, which sounds really appealing after the holidays, you know, there's that slump coming. So is there anything we've missed, Sarah, that you feel like we should cover before we start saying goodbye? There's one other thing I want to address. And if you're, and that is, if you are specifically talking about weight loss, not just maybe getting healthier, which I think is totally fine to do, um, even if it's not your expertise, I just want to make sure that I say there's only one way that weight loss happens as far as actually fat loss, and that's eating fewer calories than you burn. So um, it whether you're counting calories or not, your body is still counting calories. Everybody's body is. So I think that a misconception that can often happen is we might um, show healthier recipes because maybe they have whole ingredients. But if, for example, you're showing a salad that has half a cup of olive oil, that's I don't know off the top of my head, but probably a thousand calories at least for half a cup of olive oil. So we just want to be mindful that people who are trying to lose weight specifically, they need to reduce their calories. So as you look at your um, recipe that maybe you're trying to spruce up or maybe you're trying to choose for your roundup, keep in mind that people who need to lose weight, who need to drop fat, they need to eat meals that are lower in calories than what they're currently eating. Mm, great point. Yes, the those dressings can sneak up on you. <laughs> They're so they can be uh, yes. so packed with fat and <laughs> calories. Yep, and and things like healthier desserts. Um, again, not saying that those can't be part of your repertoire or what's on your blog. I just want to make sure that if you're 
like, let's say you're doing a roundup that you say is, um, you know, here's 25 healthy recipes for weight loss. And they're full of lots of um, olive oil or, um, you know, maybe a healthier dessert that's full of, um, uh, I don't know, like avocado or something like that. Not that it couldn't fit into a weight loss diet, but it might not if it has, if it's very high in calories. So we just want to be mindful of that. Something I've started doing even on my recipes that are really calorie laden is I've started putting in the recipe notes, which I put in the recipe card also. Just like if you want to reduce calories, do this, like what you're just saying about the, mm, the oil, yes. like use a, a quarter of the oil recommended or I'll kind of go through and like if there's sour cream, I'll say omit the sour cream. Mm-hmm. So you could do things like that too. Um, just give like alternate recommendations and specifically for calorie reducing because you're right, like if you're loaded up on a ton of calories, even though it's a quote salad, you're mm-hmm. really kind of defeating the purpose. Exactly. And I can tell you that for myself, because I'm, you know, always eating lower calories to maintain this weight loss that I have. Um, if I go to a roundup that says, oh, these are light and healthy recipes for weight loss. And I go and the recipe is six, seven, eight, nine hundred calories. I just feel like I've been gypped or like the person doesn't really understand where I'm coming from. So if you're someone who doesn't have any weight issues at all and you're thinking, well, what would even be good? I would certainly say a meal less than 500 calories or a dessert that's in the 200 to 300 calorie range would be much more reasonable for most people. And honestly, even the three to 400 calorie range for um, like a main dish meal is what a lot of women would be looking for because they're probably aiming to eat maybe 13 to 1500 calories for their entire day would be typical for a lot of women. I was just thinking about the restaurants that have the calories labeled on the menu. And there are restaurants I go to where the least amount of calories listed is like six to 700. And I'm like, I don't I want like a light lunch. I want, like you were saying, like something three to 400 in that range. And so it's really disheartening to see like from 700 to 1200. And like, that is my, like, that is way too much. So I totally understand what you're saying here. If you can provide recipes for your readers and like copycat recipes or alternatives, it is very hard to get a restaurant meal that fits into, um, into a weight loss plan. I mean, it can be done. I do eat out, you know, the women that I lead and I teach, they eat out, but it is challenging. And a lot of that has to do with oil much of that has to do with cooking things in oil and butter. So if there are alternatives for your recipes where you can reduce the oil and butter, that right there can cut hundreds of calories per serving. Um, So if you can offer those options, that's a great idea. And most of the time, I don't even notice. Like if I cut the oil way down, I don't even notice it's gone. It still tastes amazing. Even if you have a little bit of oil, you don't need all of that oil So just like experimenting with that, just cutting it like not even in half, but like cutting it by a quarter or an eighth, like cut it way down and you're still going to enjoy it. Oh, yeah. I mean, things like baked goods. Okay, that's going to be trickier. You're going to have to test that. But um, if you're sauteing, there's absolute, there's, I can't even think of why you would need to saute in a quarter cup of olive oil, like some recipes call for. And honestly, I don't even use 
olive oil at all. And some of my recipes, I just use vegetable broth because if it's going to go in a soup or something anyway, I, you're not going to taste the difference. So really cutting that down or at least offering that as an option to your readers will have a really big impact in a positive way as far as reducing the calories. It's not going to change the flavor at all. I totally agree. This has been so fun, Sarah. Thank you for being here today and just sharing all of this value. This is such an important topic and the perfect time to talk about it because January is right around the corner. Not just we are going to be thinking about this, but everyone is going to be thinking about how to be more mindful with their eating and honestly, just like losing probably a few pounds. So super relevant. Thank you so much for everything. Well, thank you so much. Um, I would um, I would be glad if you if uh, any of your listeners have any questions, you can email me Sarah at theholymess.com. You can come to my website or use the contact form. You're more than welcome to use any of my recipes and roundups. They're definitely going to be um, you know lower calorie. They're healthier. I include the Weight Watchers points. So um, if just if there are any ways that I can be of assistance, I would be glad to help. That is super generous. Thank you so much for offering that and we would love to hear Sarah do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to share I do have a quote so this is from Matthew 19 26 in the Bible and it says with man it is impossible but with God all things are possible oh love it I have not had anyone quote the Bible so I I love that you just did that thank you so much for that So um, we will put together a show notes page for you, Sarah. If anyone wants to go take a peek, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash the holy mess. Also, go check out Sarah's site. She invited you to um, send her an email, which is super generous. Is there anywhere else we can find you online, Sarah? Um, Well, yep. You can find me on Facebook or Instagram. Um, I'm on Pinterest, but certainly coming to my website is the... um, is the place where it's easiest to get a hold of me. Great. Well, thanks again for being here. And thank you so much for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk. Oh, 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 oh,